welcome to Agile Clips, where we break down Agile into manageable pieces. In this episode, we discuss the huge number of collaboration tools available nowadays, some of our experiences with specific tools, and various aspects of collaboration with and without electronic tools. Hey Santosh, hey Andrew, how are you? Good. Excellent. How's yourself? Excellent. Good Long to time. It's been nice a while, isn't it? Doing well, yeah. thanks. So, what's the uh, topic for today? Santosh, you had a good idea. What are we going to be looking at today? I think we are going to cover as many tools as possible that we have been using in last year as to support our virtual agile community. Got it. Excellent. How is that? Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So I think the main reason why I wanted to talk about the the kinds of tools that we have used uh, in the last year yeah. when we are doing the uh, remote working and especially from the agile point of view and some of the things that were good were not so good or indifferent. So that's why I wanted to get us going since we have about a year in our experience. So we might take a look at and see different phases of the Agile, mm. I guess, usage and uh, in, the, in the entire framework and what kind of things uh, really help and, and anything that stands out. Because I've been asked that question quite a few times. And I think the other challenge also I'm seeing is that um, from the consulting point of view, uh, it comes down to what tools are allowed by your client. Yeah. Because when I, I was working at the banking environment and they're very strict. And you know, just even using Trello was not allowed. So that kind of a, you know, controlled environment and other the open environments. So I think yeah. that that's what led my thinking is like, I'm sure there are people constantly thinking about, hey, I want to do retrospective. What kind of things are available that will give me a very easy tool to work with? And it can be used across the entire geography. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter where. So I think that's, that's what the premise was. Uh, of this topic. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one, isn't it? I mean, there's so many sides to this. There's how it's challenging what we took to be gospel for so long that, you know, you would want to be co-located and work in real time and all of that. Right. Um, as well as just, oh, there's, you know, I've been working uh, as a independent consultant throughout all of this. And so it's my own budget pays for the tools that I'm using. Mm -hmm. So I, I fairly quickly made a decision to just narrow it down to a small set of tools and get good with them. And the clients I have, it makes complete sense to go, look, we'll use my tool for this session and I'll give you access to it. And they're fine with that. Mm -hmm. And I've often thought how, how different it would be if I was somewhere where I didn't have that luxury, where I had to work with a tool or I had to deal with procurement or there was some decision made to use one particular damn full tool that didn't do it all or right. 
operating under other constraints. And I mean, you, you sent us over the list from um, Collaboration Superpowers. The set One hell of a list. Yeah. Oh, my God. And that's what I thought. That was like, you know, it's really comprehensive. It's growing. So it, it's collection. And maybe we have come across one of some of those tools. That it's so thought, the most, yeah. I, I, I know, um, uh, what's her name? Elise Keith's list at the Lucid meeting. Right. Um, and she has a similar list of 35 tools for online brainstorming and decision-making. I know that she pulled together a sort of brains trust of people months ago to try and gather up a list of everything. And they stopped when they got to 200 tools. And uh -huh. now I look at the collaboration superpowers and go, oh, <laughs> it's the gold rush, isn't it? You know. Exactly, exactly. Um, but I mean, that first thing, it gave me a different perspective. Like, mm. oh, there is a collaboration, the brainstorming and planning side of things. Then you can go into the collaborative um, touch screens, decision making, you know, so, so different aspects of um, uh, you know, using the different tools at a, in a life cycle of an, any agile or any, any program or any uh, product development. So I think that's what, that's what intrigued me. Yeah, it, it's um, the, the trade-off that I've seen is between flexibility, you know, back in the before times, we'd do things with stickies on whiteboards and you could use them with any exercise that you knew to use on a sticky and whiteboard versus process. So particularly for things like decision-making, mm -hmm. do you actually want a more constrained tool that will actually walk you through a process? And of course, that's where I've got stuck on some of the retrospective tools because they'll just do, you know, what should we start, stop, continue? Well, that's one form of retro, but you're going to get sick of that inside two or three sprints, you know. Right. Um, so I, I've personally, I've ended up using Mural for almost everything. Yeah, I, I heard Mural. I haven't personally used it, but I have seen people using it uh, I've heard them quite a bit uh, that people use it all across the board. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I was just looking at, you know, if you look at the whole process, starting with the um, ideas and mm -hmm. creating the backlog, the product backlog, the, and then going through the delivery point of view, that's, I, I was thinking of those kind of stops in the middle. So, yeah, yeah. you know, creating the, the, the product backlog. I know teams have, or companies have collaboration tools like Jira or Rally or whatever yeah. those things are. And they will use that as a backbone to store the, um, you know, as, as a repository of things. But as you said, if you, you still are using a, uh, like we used to use the stickies and those stickies go transferred into the stories or epics or whatever in the, in the background. But those, those sticky boards have to be there. You, you can't directly yeah. always go into the um, you know, tool right from the yeah. uh, ALM management tool. So what's your um, approach to that? Any thoughts on that? I, I know what I'm thinking. Steve, we haven't heard from you. What, yeah, what are you so, thinking? Uh, we're using AHA for product management. Ah. Okay. which is really, really impressive, actually. It's very, very easy to use and very powerful. So 
it's like a Kanban board. You can think in terms of releases and move, create tickets and collaborate on the tickets and have comments and so on. You can uh, drag things from one release to another. You can get a uh, schedule out of it. For product managers, it's really good because they can generate all the kinds of materials that they need for stakeholders, like presentations, just come out automatically. And you can oh. use, you know, you can use that to get buy-in for the roadmap and things of that nature. So it's it's very good. It has a Jira integration, although in our case, because of firewall issues, we don't have that set up. But it's fine. So all the planning is really done in AHA. And then when things have all been figured out and the requirements are clear, then we put the um, the user stories go into Jira. Um, okay. Our UX mm -hmm. team uses Figma for doing the design, mm -hmm. which is a highly collaborative tool where the different people can be sharing the same drawing. So we do all the design there. We put the link to that into the Jira ticket, and off we go. Uh -huh. Yeah, is it, it's, you, it's you working very well. Is it Figma, Figma. you said? Yes. I, I am not familiar with that, but yeah, I have seen AHA being used um, multiple places. One of the things that I also looked at, um, the mind mapping tools for uh, portfolio uh, management type of things. When people are looking at really brainstorming and creating collaboration and those kind of things, mm -hmm. um, I think some of those uh, mind mapping tools really came in handy. Because that's something that I, I never had thought that actually we will use it in a um, virtual uh, environment. But uh, that did help. Um, I think one of the places that I was working at, they use Canva. There was also MindUp, mm -hmm. MindMap. So Mind map, those two, yeah, are, yeah I've, I've seen them using quite a bit. But it, it really crystallizes the ideas very fast. And then you can actually... Some of them have the interfaces or to the other agile management tools. Some of them don't, but at least you are able to export them out to some you know, CSV type of thing so that they can be sucked in. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. but that, because uh, those are the kinds of, you know, I'm looking at the funnel where the ideas funnel are coming in and then you are you know, putting that together. Um, some of them actually have the formulas and kind of things like, you know, weighted, shorted job first, they can actually have that. Uh -huh, allows right. you to uh -huh. put in your own formulas and we did exactly that. Ah, perfect. That's, that's really good because, I mean, I've, I've actually long been a fan of Jira, um, not because I just fell for the marketing, but because I actually spent some time learning to be a Jira admin and figured out how the blessed thing worked so i could actually get it to follow our process rather than vice versa you know right right but it's it, you've got to be a jira admin or developer to actually start to include any any real concept of value right so that you could wait jobs and that's long been something that's been a, a huge concern for me is that we we put so much emphasis into tracking effort Mm -hmm. When mm -hmm. you've got to wonder who really cares about the effort, 
you know, people are paying for value. They don't care how much effort went into it. Correct. So if you're going to run a business, you have to balance one against the other. And if you're not looking at, at some way of tracking, you know, your bang for the buck and how quickly can you validate that you're, you're getting it. You're getting it. You know, and so this it's interesting. I don't know, aha, uh-huh, at all. Um, and I, as we're speaking, it's bringing to mind uh, a sort of a personality trait of mine. Once I've got a tool, I'll try and master it. And in the plethora of tools that have come up, I mean, if we just look at that list, it's like, ah, ah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I will happily try half a dozen tools until I'm like, this one looks useful. Let's let's go with it and read the big boy's book. Do you remember the the books they used to publish in the 80s? You know, the the Word 3.1. Yeah, the For Dummies. The Bibles, uh-huh. all of those. Yeah. I used to buy and read those. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, and you, I, I, I realized that actually, to some extent, I kind of, in the face of the gold rush, I gave up. And uh-huh. I'm looking at. I was looking at that list, and I'm like, I'm, I'm feeling about this list of amazing tools. Some of which may do the things I wish that other tools did. In rather the same mm-hmm. way, how I feel about purchasing cereal. You know, I mean, now I've I I pretty much know which cereal it is that I want to buy when I'm getting it delivered by Instacart, and the well, alternative if it's not available. Yeah. That's it. As soon as you, yeah, as soon as you like some some product, they right. will discontinue it. <laughs> right. <laughs> because if I if I not that I walk into stores anymore, but if I did, you go and look at the cereal aisle, and you go, there's a choice of seven hundred cereal. Well, how do it, uh, <laughs> um it's uh, what's his name? Barry Schwartz. Barry Schwartz's wonderful book, The Paradox of Choice, mm-hmm. where it's a, an expansion on the idea that we've we thought that choice was a good thing, but when you get too much of it, it yeah. always leaves you with this nagging feeling that you probably didn't make the right choice. Right. Yeah. You've only got like <laughs> three options. You pick the one that looks right, and you're satisfied. When you've got three hundred. You do your research and you pick one, but you still have this feeling that you probably didn't get the right one. And it actually makes the experience worse. And I've just just realized I've been having roughly that experience right now, looking <laughs> at this list of pesky tools, thinking, oh, I should have looked at, uh-huh. Oh, I mean, I've heard of Figma, but I sh- maybe I should have spent longer looking at Figma. And I, I tried Canva. I didn't like Canva. didn't like Canva. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, the other other one that I've used um, uh, is called Ideas Board. Yeah, and and that seemed to I mean we used it basically for uh, retrospectives, so yeah. you can create you know like the one that you were saying you know you can create different flavors like uh, what is working, what is not, what should you know blah, or you can name it differently so that it makes it, it makes it interesting. But one of the things that I I uh, noticed from based on uh, people who are using it, any tool that has platform independence. So you should be able to use it on your laptop, on your PC, or your and your uh, uh, phone, uh, any any mobile device. And if you give have that consistent interface across that, that's the one people. Uh, slowly yeah. uh, migrate to because uh, then the environment or the device doesn't become a limiting factor and as long as you don't have to relearn the same tool on a different device 
then people yeah. are also a lot more amicable to migrate to that, even though it has a, it might have some limitations. That's a really good point, isn't it? Because I mean, um, I'm going to sound a bit facetious, but one of the things that used to drive me nuts when I was working more in bigger organizations is that I'd be working with engineers who are quite capable of producing the most astonishing applications that could do hugely complex calculations in real time distributed across the entire known universe. But to try and get them to click a button in JIRA no, no, they were going to hold their breath until they go blue. You can't make me shan't, you know. It was like, I don't understand. You're, you're, you're so technically capable. And yet this tool somehow seems slightly beyond your grasp when you don't want to stretch a little bit further. And all right, all right I'm, I'm being mean about these guys. There was always more to it than that. But I think that you do point to something that actually helps to ease that whole experience. And, you know, good UX designers know this. Um, whatever you can do to reduce the distance between uh, the user and the use, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's a good principle for, for the applications that we're developing. Why not for the tools that we're using to develop right. those applications and products? You know? So Steve, I'm assuming AHA has that uh, flexibility because I, I've used it only on the uh, you know, main desktop, but I have not used it on the... Oh, no, cell phones or any other. Uh, I actually don't know. Like I've never tried. Maybe that's. I'm, a, I'm that's just a having good... a quick look at their site, and I can't tell from that either. Hmm. Huh. It would be hard so to may... manage, honestly. I mean, it it really benefits from having a pretty big display. Ah, but you know, that's that's one one thing that I I notice is that the ideas board is you could use it on your cell phone. You could use it on your tablet and with the kind of drag and drop stuff uh, yeah. really made a, uh, things a lot easier. And one of the things that I had asked for my teams to do is uh, don't collect the ideas for uh, retrospective at the last day. Mm. Every stand-up used to say, uh, any retrospective ideas you want to add? And with the tool, they were just clicking on it and adding those things together. So we had a good collective ideas at the end because of the flexibility. So I think that's where I'm going in the sense, even for the funnel, when you are doing the portfolio or any of these, when they say, when they have that aha moment, no pun intended, but <laughs> yeah. you know, well, that one. <laughs> I, yeah, that, you wonder where they got the name from, don't you? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but those but are I very different tools. Aren't they? Okay. Idea boards is closer to something like Mural or Miro or any of the online whiteboards where they're designed to uh, work with unstructured data or minimally structured data, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. something like AHA is definitely going, look, this is a big, complicated thing. Um, if you're going to actually have an organization which has some requirements around governance where you want insight into how you're making progress you're going to have to structure that and you're going to have to put some discipline to it so you know these are all tool horses for courses aren't they they're all very different tools you know yeah i think i think that's you bring up a very good point in the sense that uh when you are right from the get-go if you have the tool that has that depth so for example if you are creating uh say initiative level yeah. ideas 
it should have the structure to build that down to the lower levels all the way to the story not may may not have to build the story but at least create that hierarchy and those kind of things right from the get go so that you are not you know exporting then importing you know because as soon as you export it's old you yeah. have the broken link so yeah. if there is that you know which one is true how do you bidirectionally uh, update things those kinds yeah. of i guess uh, challenges and then the use people don't want they are saying if this becomes a project by itself i don't want it right which has always struck me as being a little bit wishful thinking you know i can remember um back well, we all know each other from back in the paypal days and i can mm-hmm. remember back then senior people going Heaven's sakes, isn't there just a tool that does this? Yeah. And we're going, um, <laughs> well, when you uh, is it an app for this, it? <laughs> yeah, right. When you say this, we're looking this. at something where there's, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of different entities and potentially millions of relationships between them that are going to be expressed differently in different ways at different points of the organization. No, there isn't a single tool that does this. You know? Well, there is. It's between my ears. Between but I haven't yet. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, the and brain I think, is the another computer, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I again, this is a thought that hadn't struck me until we got into this conversation. But I'm now finding myself going. I'd be really interested in a couple of years to see if this gold rush of online tools, because of the pandemic has actually caused so much um, cognitive diversity. So many people looking at these problems from so many different directions. Mm -hmm. But a few years from now, that the market will have sifted that out. And maybe we will have got to a point where you can say, actually, yes, there is a tool that does this. This is something which is this multidimensional beast of you know, organizational organization and product management and, you know, program management and people management and the interconnectedness of all of them inside a complex and ever-evolving marketplace. Um, That'd be interesting. We're using Teams, and I have to say it's very impressive. It has really improved a lot in the last 12 months. Yeah. So first of all, we were using it mostly for the... uh, the chat kind of capability, but as the uh, web conferencing has improved, we use that a lot, obviously. And uh, just the way those things are integrated, it's really powerful. Just the fact that you can set up a meeting and then it becomes basically a channel and you can communicate with people, even if it's as simple as telling them, I'm going to be a minute late or whatever, but you know, keeping notes of the meeting and collaborating afterwards i find that to be really good it's very seamless and then the other thing is there's so many tools they have kanban boards lists planning tools i mean they're not uh, by no means optimized for agile working environment but there's just so many different things to to try and use in different situations that yeah it's it's good I find myself being of a certain age here and thinking back to when the communication technology meant a rotary dial phone. <laughs> that was it. 
And it, it yeah. seems looking back so much, well, you know, that there's an appeal to that simplicity that that was what you had. So that was what you used. You'd pick up the phone, you'd call someone to talk about it, you know. And it's interesting, isn't it, that this, this paradox of choice that we're faced with right now. We also have, I mean, coming from the DevOps side of things, uh, we have the, I have, uh, the names escapes me, but it's, it's the tool of choice of all the developers. So the things that are being built, you can hear that knock, knock, knock on your... Oh, Slack. Uh, Slack. Slack, yes. Slack is like omnipresent on everyone's tool. And it's like the backbone of communications. The only thing that I have not seen being used, I mean, that that's like real-time communication going on back and forth. And that could be used with the other tools like uh, you know, Jira or Rally or whatever, so that yeah. all those ALMs can be communi- uh, kind of combined. But otherwise... People use Slack to run the whole builds and they can see the whole thing that is going on. So I've, I've seen the DevOps folks very you know, rely on that like a constant update boards and they will constantly go to Slack and see where things are. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. the, the company that developed it actually was in the games development business. Right. And uh, Slack was just an internal tool that they used to collaborate until... Yeah. You know, the games were not going anywhere and they'd realized they had a, a gem yeah. in the collaboration. Somebody there had an aha moment. Yes. yes. Right. So, <laughs> you're right. I mean, I, I work for myself and yet I have right now, I think it's about 35 different Slack spaces that I'm Slack in. channels going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, that knock knock is a, <laughs> you can constantly yes. hear. Pain some... of your life. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, uh, it's funny. I, one of the ones I'm in um, is one of Jürgen Apollo's channels, and he broadcasts people's achievements in his ecosystem through Slack. And he's got a whole automated workflow that does it. Wow. And as a result, I've had to remember to turn down the volume on a laptop if I've got to leave the laptop on overnight. Because if not, at about half past two in the morning, yep. I start to hear this. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. What's going on? <laughs> Who's there? And it's fifty-seven people being acknowledged for their achievements by Jurgen. You know. Well, <laughs> yes. no, I mean, what I'm trying to get at is, you know, why is that so popular? Is because the ease with which you can distribute and track, and it becomes a uh, knowledge repository. Well, yeah, and I think they've got very good at connecting up with um, other tools, mm-hmm, with plugins. Mm-hmm. I think exactly. that's, a, that's, in a way, the how you get to answer the, isn't there a tool that does this? You exactly. go, well, kind of, yes, there is, but we kind of have to assemble it ourselves. It's going to be our own Frankenstein tool, but <laughs> people have made that possible. Um, yes, it's you know, it, it tells me like an octopus. It goes all over the place and connect based upon where things are. And then it can run through that. So uh, it, that is a... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, but you, what it's, that, it, that you refer to it as being like a knowledge repository. I'm not sure how successful it is at that because most people have the free one, which caps out at 10,000 messages. And unless you stump up the money for it, then... Anything more than that's gone. 
That's and true. Of course, yeah, I've seen it. For, I've seen people going, you know what, this is really good for short term, near real time communication. But for longer term knowledge repository, that's still a, a big problem in our whole industry. Um, knowledge management, you know, personal that's and organizational true. knowledge management that we could have uh, a whole session on just that. You know? Yeah, well, I think the, the it also creates uh, junk data also so much yeah. that you can have to filter out, you know, because people use that as a slack, you know, you they're in the meeting and they're slacking to the other ones. This this guy is bozo, you know, those kind yeah. of things. Oh. So <laughs> yes, and that leads to another session we can have about facilitation techniques. Yes, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's Mister Bozo I mean, to you, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what I'm getting at is the tools themselves. You know, the, under the flexibility header can create some just noise. Yeah. So you know you need to be little careful about how you filter out that noise. Yes. You're reminding and... me of uh, something that happened to me where there was probably about 10 people in a uh, sales call in an actual meeting with a customer. And the customer asked a question. And at the time I was a subject matter expert. So all 10 people started chatting and asking me the question whilst I was back in the office and they got to the point where I just said oh and what was happening is I had to look something up and every time somebody chatted it brought up the chat tool and it was covering my other app so at some point I was just answering to everybody saying stop pinging me because I can't get you the answer talk among yourselves for a bit fellas Oh. <laughs> oh my! Yeah, but, you yes. know, but that's that's another aspect of these tools is that people are expecting answers, and like time horizon has shrunk to nanoseconds because the thing is so much open, and then it becomes again a nuisance, or sometimes like. Why I have I have this app open because it creates some more nuances and, and then they are asking some tough questions to get it answered right away. Yeah, it's because both good and bad. It's good and bad because as an individual, if you're being pinged, it's very distracting, and we know that can be very very problematic. Yeah. On the other hand, from a overall organization perspective, a lot of decisions are being made a lot more quickly, and the actual velocity of development and I, I find is increased. But yeah, so so from your point of view, you know, yeah, I agree that the decisions do get done faster. But I think what is happening is uh, those decisions are made based on what at that moment is available to you. So mm -hmm. sometimes what happens, the answer comes back with the snapshot of that information. Like you were saying, you were trying to do little more research down there and or just to get a additional information but you have to your boss's boss's boss is calling you and saying that yeah i need that information well this is what it is <laughs> you know uh -huh. so it 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 can create some uh false decision or uh, uninformed decision making oh absolutely it's it's you know one of the great cognitive biases is that we tend to think that our first choice is our best choice and there's so much uh, benefit in slowing down. And, you know, a standard coach's response of, yes, that's a good idea. That could work. What else could work? Mm -hmm. Rather mm -hmm. than just going, okay, we've got the answer. Let's go and do that, you know. 
No, and uh, the the thought that was bubbling up is that this is pointing towards one of the uh, the huge benefits of what Agile has is starting to accomplish is um, understanding how work works, and that traditional scientific management um, and an awful lot of the the curricular of MBAs is good insofar as it goes. But actually how you you work best with the kind of work that we're dealing with is still a discipline that is sorely lacking. I mean, I, I think about how much I've learned from, oh, you know, I'm a, obsessed with Kenevin. Mm -hmm. I don't know how anybody in business can possibly make appropriate decisions unless they have a uh, decision support and sense-making framework like Kenevin mastered. I've no idea how they do it. Um, and yet people are still like, I, I have no idea what you're even talking about when you talk about things like decision making and <laughs> decision support, sense making frameworks. Um, I think about the lack of, of um, skill around facilitation and how still there are polls out there on, um, you know, what's, what do you think is the biggest waste of time at work? And people say meetings. Far and away, it's considered to be the biggest waste of time, um, which kind of indicates that there are very few people out there who are really good as facilitators. And so um, absent that, they tend to use whatever they know. I mean, I could go, go on and on and on about all of this. And it's, it, it strikes me that this is where Agile is, is still incredibly helpful. And in answer to that question, what's next for Agile? I think it goes beyond just going, well, let's help people actually do things quicker. Let's, let's help people to um, extend the awareness of how much waste they're accidentally creating by not acquiring a whole new set of professional skills for how to operate in this kind of complex and emergent work environment, hmm. that it does require a whole new set of skills. Right. And and I'm just going to uh, say that you know with the new norm, the way we are doing virtual, uh, do these tools uh, help or hinder yeah. the ad ad additional skill sets or natural skill sets needed for agility? So what's what's your thoughts on Steve or you both? Uh, what what are your thoughts on that, Steve? What do you think? So I actually wanted to bring this up, the whole idea of whether co-location is really necessary. Hmm. Um, I've heard it said that what's important is for people to be in the same time zone <laughs> more than <laughs> being physically co-located. And of course, you need to socialize and you know become a real team and not just be cogs in a wheel doing your own task. So it's important. And in fact, um, a few months ago, we started having on a Friday afternoon a session where we would get together using a web conferencing, I mean, video conferencing solution and just chat. People had a drink. Uh, we mm -hmm. played some silly games, but it really helped us keep that bond that we used to have when we were working in the office. And yeah. I think that was uh, important. In general, I think that... Uh, it's what's really important is the coming together of the minds more than whether people are really co-located. And I remember that 
uh, one organization did a study and they found that productivity was actually a little bit higher when people were not co-located. Hmm. Hmm. And I, I don't know that they had a really good explanation other than they seem to think that maybe people got involved in discussions that were not fruitful from a work perspective, like discuss, you know, discussing other <laughs> topics. But yeah. I don't think there was anything to, conclusive. I'd love to find out what they meant by co-located. Because, I mean, if, it, if they were just like, well, they're all in the same building. I mean, so many open plan workplaces that I've been in where you look at it and go, there's no benefit of co-location here because everybody is wearing headphones because they are mm -hmm. actually being interrupted and distracted. You know, the few who've had the uh, option of setting aside a room for the team to work in and to agree how to work together in there so they're not interrupting each other. This is actually, you know, they've learned how to pair or to, to mob program or they've actually learned collaboration skills. So they don't interrupt each other. They work together. That kind of co-location, that I, I deeply miss, that thing where there's a, f a phenomena of what it's like to actually be in the same physical space as somebody else. I mean, I suspect that what we're learning now about uh, deeper neurobiology and somatics and understanding that the body is not just there to lug the brain around. It actually has quite a lot of work that it does by way of communication, both outwards and inwards, which seems extraordinary, except now we have plenty of biological evidence that, that that's how it works. I, that I really miss. And I'm right there with you, Steve. That, that there's nothing like getting together with a few people online to have that conversation and lark about and I've actually found that sort of one-on-one -on -one collaboration like this over Zoom or whatever, particularly if there's then a tool that you can both reach into online. So it's like you're moving stickies around together and touching the same things. That I find easier like this, but I really miss that sense of the band has hit the groove. They're really all playing together now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and by and the way, the... I was just going to say uh, one company I worked in, uh, actually, we, we made video conferencing equipment, so we had a, an advantage, <laughs> but right. we used to just keep it on all day. Even if we were working on yeah. our own thing, the team would just be in a video conference. And at any point, you could just say, hey, Fred, how about this or that? Yes. Yes. I, at the, at one of my, the clients I still have at the moment. It came as a shock to me when I discovered that, yeah, we were doing stuff on Zoom, but that was usually my account. And it's quite a small company. There's about 80 people there. I think only three of them actually had paid Zoom accounts. Hmm. And so the rest of them were thinking of Zoom as a 40-minute restriction. Um, and I think back to um, the early days of Skype. When I was in Australia, I was um, working in a tiny little company. There were just three of us. And we'd often pair doing exactly what you just said. We'd fire up Skype and we'd just leave it on. We'd, we'd have multiple screens and we'd just have our buddy on a screen beside us. So you could just work. And it was easy to turn across and go, hey, um, Bill, what do you think about blah, blah, blah? And you know, oh, get engaged. That was awesome. Um, I'm, how did you find, was it multiple people staying on, on the video conference at the same time or were people working in pairs? T tell me more about the experience of that. 
No, it was uh, everybody was there. So it was there was a team of I don't know eight nine people, and we just had it turned on all the time. Did you well, have any you know, other I'm tools sure. that you could collaborate through, so you could you could communicate? But there was also stuff where you could I don't know drive each other's keyboards or whatever. Did you use any tools like that? Um, I was not a developer at the time. I don't know if the developers did screen sharing for that purpose. Right, right, right. I know that sometimes people would drop off and work as a pair, so they might have done yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah, one, one place I worked, we actually had um, like agile uh, doctor is in type of thing. Yeah. So agile coaches would be there for maybe hour or two hours uh, a day, uh, depending on whoever is available, they will sign in. And people would just go in and out of that uh, Zoom. And that created like a virtual you know, uh, uh, doctor's office. And that, that really was quite helpful for, uh, they knew they could go there on that every day around that time and they will get the things answered or at least somebody will follow up if there is anything, but that, um, that was like a camaraderie and people used to uh, sometimes just come in and just say, no, I know questions. I'm just here to listen to what people are asking. So yeah, it was like a nice. community room. People used to you know, chat and uh, get some, so people were thinking, yeah, this is, this is something a knowledge base. People are just, they're talking to their, their problems or uh, giving some ideas. So, yeah, I've seen that happen. And the, the, the client had um, offices all over the world. And depending on, you know, people would get out of their bed at night and join that call. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a party there going on. You, you just reminded me of something that I heard fairly early on in the pandemic that made me laugh. Have you heard of the game Red Dead Redemption 2? No. Well, no. a big online open world game, multiplayer game. And I, I started to see reports of, you know, like management teams who'd all get themselves a copy of this game because it had a feature where you could bring everybody together around the campfire Mm -hmm. to tell stories at the end of the day. And this is where they were holding their meetings. And they were absolutely loving it because the, you can imagine the shift of context of it being like, well, I'm now actually playing in basically a cowboy Wild West game, but I'm having a business meeting here. Yeah. <laughs> Completely different flavors of meeting were being held. I'm like, That's really interesting. Um you know, I've, I've known coaches who have trained teams in World of Warcraft or in Minecraft where they're actually using the existing online multiplayer capabilities as new ways of actually teaching collaboration. So it's interesting, isn't it, that it seems as though the games industry is really helping with all of this. I'm, I'm tempted to say something really cheeky about how it's the games industry and the pornography industry that drive innovation, but I don't know quite how we can pull that into this conversation. Moving on. The game thing that you were just, uh, the, the exec meetings, uh, there is a company in Half Moon Bay and mm. they call, they, it's called Goat Meeting. In the sense, they arrange these meetings 
But while they are having everybody <laughs> there, they have a goat on the screen, a live goat participating in that meeting. They just and people are like, that's a discussion point. That's like a relief valve. And people are oh, watching sometimes wonderful. the goat. It's called goat meeting, and they have been booked solid for oh, months just, out. Oh, that's so great! I've just googled it, and you're absolutely right. There they are. Goat dash two dash meeting. Oh, that's yes. so naughty. That's brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is. You know that that gives you a channel. <laughs> it's like offside yeah. meeting with a uh, offside meeting with a goat farm. <laughs> oh, that's just that's just so, so great. It makes me think of uh, one company I worked in. It had one of the best cultures I've ever worked in. And one of the things was we had a dummy called Freddy. And this dummy would be taken into meetings that we knew would be controversial. And if anybody started finger pointing, we'd say, no, it's Freddy's fault. Now let's talk about the solution. It doesn't matter what happened. Right. Bloody Freddy. We just can't get rid of him. He's a menace. (laughs) That's 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 excellent. That's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. It's almost like a parking lot. <laughs> just shoot the, <laughs> that <Yes>. guy. <laughs> and a very elegant way to defuse those moments where somebody is being a jerk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's Blame really the goat. Good. Blame yes. the goat. Blame the goat. goat. <laughs> Who invited the goat? He's here every time. I don't know. <laughs> Even awesome. goat could understand. <laughs> kind of yeah. Yes. I mean... <laughs> Guys, just use Jira. If the goat can use Jira, you could use Jira. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, I think this was a lively discussion. I I, I think we we covered a lot of uh, different areas. All right. Great to talk to you two guys again. Thank you so much. Brilliant conversation. Bye. Bye. Bye.